Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. Well, hello there, friend. So today on the show, I'm chatting with Corey George of Hey Let's Make Stuff and Angie Holden of The Country Chic Cottage. And they recently came together to host a big summit called Sublimation Camp. We'll chat about what sublimation is if you don't know, but it's something really neat within the crafting world that is quickly picking up steam as a new crafting trend. But Corey and Angie spill the beans on all sorts of things, hosting, marketing, running a big summit event like what they did. And you will not believe how successful this event was. For starters, they had over 44,000 people sign up for the event and thousands of people who then upgraded to the all access pass for that event. And so this was their first year hosting Sublimation Camp. It was a massive success. And so you will get to hear from them and get so many juicy details on you know what they did, how they coordinated it, what their tech stack was, a few tips and tricks of you know things they might change and do differently next year, conversion rates, percentages of affiliate sales versus not, how their ads went, so many juicy details. So Stay tuned. You're going to love this episode. So today on the show, I'm so excited to welcome Corey George of Hey Let's Make Stuff and Angie Holden of The Country Chic Cottage. Now, both of these women have built incredible businesses. They're both in the SVG and crafting space, and they've actually recently come together to host a big online event called Sublimation Camp. So we'll be chatting about how they've each differentiated their businesses online, and then this amazing project that they've just worked on together that was an incredible success. So I'm so excited to chat with both of you today. Yeah, happy to be here. Corey, I'd love to hear from you on how you got started with Hey, let's make stuff. Yeah. So I started blogging in like the olden days of the internet (laughs) back in 2004. And I started a blog just to keep my friends and family like updated on what I was doing when I went back to Boston for graduate school. And so it was kind of a personal blog for a long time. And then it slowly kind of morphed into a book blog, which not a lot of people know, like I reviewed books for a long time. I have a degree in publishing. So that was kind of the niche that I sort of fell into. And then after a while, I started sharing my crafts. Um, And you can imagine like old blog posts. It was like a picture of a potholder, like with a bad Instagram filter. And like the whole blog post was, I made a potholder. So I've gotten a little better since then. And uh, my craft started doing really well. And then in 2013, I um, got married. And because of my husband's income, we were able to, I was able to quit my marketing job and uh, try and do this thing full time. Love it. And how about you, Angie? How did you get started online? So I was, my degree's in engineering and I was working full time as an engineer and 
just had like a new year's resolution. I wanted to keep myself accountable. So I kind of started a DIY blog, started talking about like renovations around our home and realized people were reading it. (laughs) So I don't know, eight, 10 years ago, I started taking it a little more seriously. And then about five years ago, quit my full-time job as an engineer because I was making more money being an influencer online. So that's amazing. And probably doing cricket stuff for the past six to seven years and just really leaned into that as my audience started basically requesting it. And then the sublimation part came in the past couple of years because the interest in that has grown exponentially. And a lot of cricket crafters also want to get into sublimation. So it's just kind of a general thing to lean into. Okay, gotcha. So I feel like both of you have done an incredible job in the crafting space of really distinguishing your brands online. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that process of how did you decide, I guess, what your brand style and and focus and bent was going to be? I actually have, I worked in branding for seven years before I started my blog. So I've always had kind of an eye for it, I think. And I think over the years, I've really like leaned into the branding part of my blog because I think it's helped make me really successful with a, you know, a cohesive look and feel to basically everything I do. And then it's also been really helpful for even just trying to figure out what kind of projects I want to do and what colors I want to use. I always make all the projects I make are basically with my brand colors. So everything just over and over again looks really cohesive. And yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of a redesign later this year, but I really like what I have. So it'll probably just be a little bit of a refresh. And I would say, Corey, your brand feels very fun and whimsical to me, and it is very colorful. And a lot of the SVG world that I've seen has maybe a more classic, traditional, or sometimes even a vintage style. So you've definitely set yourself apart in that way. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's a lot of Joanna Gaines sort of style in, in my industry, but I just, I don't know. I just like colors a lot more. So I just kind of leaned into it and there's a market for it. I mean, I think a lot of people love the farmhouse and that kind of style, but it's just not me. And I think whenever I try and create files that fit more in that sort of, you know, country chic or farmhouse style, like they just don't feel like me and they don't do as well. So I've tried really hard to kind of lean into the bright and fun and happy brand. Right. Love it. And then you have customers obviously and website visitors who know that that's what they're going to expect from you and come follow you because of that. Yep. So Angie, I'd love to hear more about how you've distinguished your brand style and identity online. I feel like I completely messed it up for a long time. (laughs) I chose my blog name the completely wrong way. And now I'm known for that. So I'm struggling with that a little bit. However, I do feel like I've kind of honed in on something that works for me currently. And I will say that Corey had an amazing branding book at one time that really helped me do that. So it was, it is all thanks to Corey actually. (laughs) And it's helped me to kind of hone in on the style for my stuff and the brand image I want to project. So I do think that has helped. And, but yes, I messed it up for a very, very long time, but you know, we live, we learn. (laughs) That's right. And it, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight to where we magically wake up, right? And our brand looks exactly how we want it to. How would you describe your brand style in a few words, Angie? 
So I feel like my brand style has sort of went from way country chic to somewhere in the middle between being that bright and fun and country chic. So sort of where my consumer, I think, is, which is a little bit traditional, but I have more luck selling them like cheat sheets, um, cricket guides, things like that, and then marketing my SVG files. <laughs> so I feel like I can get in the door with a consumer base another way and then say, hey, I have all this other stuff as well. So I've had more success doing that rather than just SVG marketing out of the gate. Got it. Okay. So it's very much a, hey, here's all this practical help I can give you. And then once they've got that, they'll come back for the files to go create some more projects. Yes. I'm definitely known for my practical help. That would be my brand. Okay. (laughs) And and that's perfect. And with that engineering background, I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense. So that's great. Okay. So I want to talk all things sublimation camp. But before we get into that, I am sure I will have some listeners who have no idea what sublimation is. (laughs) So if one of you could explain what that is a little bit first. All right. So sublimation is a form of crafting and it can be, you could do it a variety of ways, but we'll talk about a printer. So a sublimation printer prints with a special ink and use special paper and the ink is formulated to react with polyester. And that can be in the form of 100% polyester piece of fabric or a poly-coated blank like a tumbler. And if it has that polyester and you put the print on it and use heat, there's a chemical reaction and it makes a very permanent bond. Like on a shirt, it becomes part of the fabric and ingrained into the fabric itself. So it's a very easy way to produce professional results right at home. So I think that's why a lot of people are leaning that way because they get those professional results from their craft room, can start a small business or just make stuff for others. Okay, got it. So if you would compare it to other processes, it's almost like you know, an iron on transfer, you're not necessarily getting that permanent result. Eventually that flakes off a t-shirt or things like that. So with this chemical reaction that's happening with sublimation, it's yeah, just higher quality. It's going to be permanent. So looks more professional. You can think about sublimation lasting the life of the garment, whereas something like HTV or a vinyl sticker would, I mean, you've, you've had products that sit on the fabric. And of course, after like, you know, 25 times through the laundry, they're going to start to fade or crack or peel up. Whereas sublimation, life of the garment, like we're talking the whole time. Yeah. And I like that. I like that sublimation too, you can use a range of colors, right? So if you, if you're putting an iron on transfer on a shirt, you know, you can use one or two colors, Um, but with sublimation, because you're using four color ink, you can make, you know, unlimited number of colors basically in your transfer, which is really nice to get like, it's just a wider amount of, you know, number of images that you can use. Right. Okay. So I'm trying to picture this because I must confess, I don't think I've ever, I'm sure both of you have many videos on the sublimation process and I've not watched any yet. So you can create your design that you want to put on something and you can choose whatever colors you want as you're creating that design. And then it's because you have the right printer 
and then it's like a separate cutting machine or a printer and cutting machine no cutting machine (laughs) yeah you don't have to use a cutting machine at all so this was just literally printed it yesterday and pressed it to a white shirt and like it's a complete rainbow of colors and all those variations in between it's literally print press done like as long as you do it right that's it okay oh very cool and I love that example, Angie. That's a super cute shirt. Okay. Thank you for explaining that for me. That's, I mean, man, I'm I'm excited to try some sublimation now. So really you just need to have that right, a printer and the right sheets that you're printing on for the- And a design. heat source, like a heat press or a Cricut Easy Press or something like that. Okay. Very cool. Exciting. Okay. So how did the two of you- decide to come together to, to produce this big online event of sublimation camp where you were just, you know, bringing all these experts and speakers on to talk about this cool way to craft. Yeah. So Angie and I have done other crafting summits before, and we've done them together and we've been friends for a long time now, many years. And so, you know, we both kind of got started in this sublimation space Angie got there before I did. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. And I actually really loved it. And so one day I just sent her a messenger chat. (laughs) I was like, we should do a sublimation summit. And she's like, yep, it's on my list. (laughs) So we we basically from there started planning. Awesome. So for someone who might be new to that world, and I have to say, I've never hosted a summit myself, so I don't even know how far in advance do you start planning and lining up speakers and doing all those things? Maybe it was actually more like January. That sounds right. Yeah. I think it was because January. I finished my book and then we started. So, right. Yeah. Okay. So January and then the event happened in May. Right. Okay. And so walk me through, I guess, yeah, just some of the details. How do you plan this out? What goes into a big summit like this? I feel like we picked our dates and then we just hunted for speakers. So because sublimation is new, like you hadn't even heard of it, Bethann. So it was finding people that were already in the space that we thought were knowledgeable enough to speak. So that was quite a bit of research. Like we had some people in mind, but we wanted 15-ish people. We ended up with 15, including us. So researching speakers and then just reaching out to them, like with the dates, like this is what we need from you. These are the dates and this is what we'll give you in return. So basically their payment for that is an affiliate income. So we basically gave them half of whatever they earned on affiliate commissions. So for a summit, what we decided to do was to offer it for free for the three days and offer an upgrade. So if you had a free ticket, you would lose access. So you only had access to the video for 24 hours and then the video went away. And if you wanted those videos to come back, hopefully you did, you would pay to get access for an entire year. So that's like was our model. And I've seen other models, but I feel like that's a good model for our audience because we have some people that can't afford to pay for an all access pass or to get into a summit. So it's kind of a way for us to say, well, hey, you can watch during these three days and not pay anything. So that's the model we went with. And What was next, Corey, after the speakers? (laughs) I think we had to figure out all the tech. The tech was a lot to figure out because we wanted to be able to 
post it within Teachable. And we had we did hit some roadblocks with people signing in. And it was just, there were just so many more people who <laughs> signed up than we expected, which was great. But we ended up hiring outside help to deal with the customer service aspect of it, which was great. She was, we hired a woman named Susan and she just absolutely like became our lifeline to help people get logged into Teachable. Um, but then we also had to figure out you know, how the process was going to work when we were hosting our sales page on lead pages and then our checkout on Thrivecart and then the hosting the actual summit in Teachable and, you know, how we that all connects to ConvertKit for email. And the tech, I think, took us quite a bit of time to sort of sort out so that it would be a seamless process for, you know, the customer, even though we were using so many different programs. We needed to use Thrivecart because we needed, or at least we needed to use a program like Thrivecart because we needed a checkout that had affiliate attached to it. So that was why we went with Thrivecart. I'd love to hear more about how you found your speakers for Sublimation Camp and had, you know, just this great lineup of different experts. So the first thing we looked at was if they were a sublimation expert, if they were talking about sublimation on their social channel, YouTube, whatever. And then we tried to get a really diverse range of people. So the first thing is I didn't want like, okay, the larger bloggers would of course have more reach. But I also wanted like some smaller bloggers mixed in there because they're just starting out, but they have some amazing content. And like we wanted to include a little bit of everyone. And then diversity overall was important to us. So we tried to get different ethnicities within the group of 13. And so we reached out to several. And of course, we did have some people turn us down. So (laughs) if you're listening to this or watching, (laughs) join us next year for Sublimation Camp. But we did have a few people that we ended up with, I feel like, a good range of people from all angles and the panel we really wanted, I feel like. I love that. I love that you were intentional with that of giving both not just the bigger bloggers or bigger names, but some newer bloggers where you just see the talent that they have and also having that focus on diversity. So everyone feels represented and you're just bringing more people to the table and making sure it's an event where, you know, everyone feels welcome. So I love that. One of the things I've always wondered about with summits is the limited time availability of the videos for, you know, those who just are signing up for the free pass. So how does that piece of it work? First of all, we were so nervous in the beginning of this and didn't, we didn't even know if we'd make money. So we were trying to do things the best way we knew how, but we did not expect 44,000 people to sign up. So let's just say that right. (laughs) So our vision became something entirely different. So what we ended up doing, our vision in the beginning was to have a teachable course and the free people would log in and they would get the videos. And then every like each day we would go down, go in and take down the ones that were expiring and put up the ones that were for that day. Now we had so many people and so many people with issues logging in that for the free pass, we ended up on Teachable, you can have a sales page and you can have a preview of your curricul- curriculum like underneath that. So uh, we just did a sales page where they didn't need to log in. And we just added the courses and removed them from that sales page, if that makes sense. Okay. And it, that ended up being way easier. So if, if anyone's watching this and you think you're going to have a summit and there's going to be a lot of people, a sales page without a login <laughs> was the best decision we made. 
and we made it a few days too late. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. That is, yeah, that does sound like a great idea because yeah, when you have 44,000 people trying to log into something and all on the same day, right? Because they all want to see that the content right away, that that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And we also, we had an issue too, where that we didn't know about until we hit it that, you know, we started selling tickets two weeks before the event started, but teachable login like confirmation emails expire after a week. So people are like, why would I want to sign in now? I'll sign in when the event gets closer. And then we ended up having, you know, so many people with expired links. So, you know, if we do this again in the future, we, you know, if we use Teachable, it'll be like all over, please use this link, sign in right now. It's going to expire, you know, just to make sure that we get people logged in because you can't send, like, it's not up to us to send, like you have to reach out to Teachable support to resend that email. And so we had to hunt down teachable support and we were like, we can't do this one by one because we had 12,000 people who need access now. So they had to work with their engineers to like be able to send out like a special resend of that like confirmation email. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That is, these are some great tips though for people to know who are, you know, potentially planning a summit like this. Okay. So I know we'll we'll get into marketing details and all that fun and how amazing this event was in just a minute. I I would love to hear kind of just those overall big picture stats first. I know you mentioned, you know, 44,000 signups for sublimation camp. How many paid all access passes did you have? What percentage of sales were from you all driving them versus affiliates, things like that. So looking at the numbers as of this morning, we've had 44,766 total passes sold and that's free passes and paid passes combined. Um, So a lot of, you know, most of the people who got the paid pass also got the free pass, but that's everybody. And then we ended up having 5,340 upgrades to the all access pass. So that was, you know, over 10% of the people upgraded to the all access pass. And then orders from affiliates are um, 81% of our orders came from affiliates. So it was a huge portion of our sales that came from affiliates. Was my sales in there too, though? Oh, your sales were in there too, because you had an affiliate account that we were using to be able to track our Facebook ads. Track ad spend. (laughs) That way we could see exactly how much we were selling from ads that we just added. Yeah, so my guess is actually probably closer to 70% um, for... 70% of those all-access pass sales were from affiliates. Yeah, actually that's 70% of all of our tickets. So I don't know how many of the sales it would be. I would have to do some more complicated math for that. Got it. Okay. So, okay. So, I mean, that's still helpful though, too. So 70% of any of your sublimation camp signups came from all the affiliates that you all worked with. Yes. And for the most part, were those affiliates the same 15 individuals who were part of the sublimation camp who were, you know, each of them was giving a guest talk? Yeah. Yes. So we so, didn't have any affiliates that weren't speakers. Okay. Yes. So we, that was like part of the pitch was like, you're the only ones that get to be affiliates because you're a speaker. So we didn't take any other affiliates. We were the only 15 people selling. Got it. Okay. That's still, I mean, I just think that's incredible. You have 
essentially 17 small business owners, if we include the two of you, but 17 small business owners came together and had 44,000 people sign up for this like event that took place in a, a small window. You know, it's this three-day sublimation camp. So to get people to say, yes, I'm interested in this. And then to have over 5,000 people upgrade to that, your all access pass. I mean, I just, I think that's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, for all of your work and effort, I mean, one, you've got 30% of things that you two are driving as far as the sales go, but then you're still earning a 50% commission from, you know, each of those affiliates who's driving signups and sales to you. So pretty incredible. So as far as the affiliate piece went, I know you obviously reached out to each of these guest speakers, you know, quite a few months in advance and you're lining all of that up. What other steps were you taking to make sure those affiliates felt like they had all the tools they needed to adequately promote the sublimation camp and, you know, make it a big success? Yeah. So we gave them swipe copy for emails, swipe copy for social media, various social media graphics, videos for social. And we actually gave them access to all the Canva templates so they could switch up the branding, switch up the colors if they wanted. So just try to make it as easy as possible for them to share. And then did lots of like on my own social, if they did an amazing reel about sublimation camp, I made sure to share that, give that an extra boost, just little things like that to try to like make them want to share more. And then we did affiliate prizes as well. So we started out, like I said, we didn't know if just our moms were going to watch this (laughs) or if we were going to have 44,000 people. So we started out with, I think, three or four prizes at different levels. And then we just kept, as the summit grew, we just kept adding prizes. And we ended up doing prizes for every single affiliate, regardless of their sales level, because it went so much better than we thought. And then we also sent boxes before the camp, just to like thank them for joining us, thank them for being an affiliate, had some sublimation blanks in there, just some special things from us. And just, just as a thank you, regardless of how the whole thing went, obviously. I love that. That's you all really did a great job of just nurturing those affiliates. So how far in advance did they have graphics and swipe copy and things like that to start promoting or, you know, even just planning their promotion out? I am pretty sure that we gave them all of that copy on April 25th. Um, The event was held May 12th through 14th, and I think it was enough time, you know, as we were planning this, we wanted to coincide the um, sublimation camp with the release of one of Cricut's new heat presses um, because we knew it would be a big, you know, big selling point for a lot of folks who wanted to either, either had already purchased it or, you know, wanted to purchase it or, you know, new folks who might want to purchase it. So we were like, well, let's make sure we do it in May. And we had a bunch of other things like my kid's birthday is this next weekend. So there's like other reasons, you know, we, we kind of got that May 12th through 14th day and we sort of backed up from that. I do wish we'd had maybe like another week in there though. I feel like we were a little pressed for time, but not too bad. Like I didn't feel like, you know, I wasn't up until 3 a.m. working on anything, any of the nights, which was really great. And I know, I think Angie, it was the same. Yeah, but it helps that there were two of us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could have done it by myself in that amount of time, I would have needed way more. 
Um, And something else I thought of that we did for affiliates is we gave them access to everything way ahead of time. So they could see everyone else's classes, like all the value that was in it. And so they could share that because no one else could see it besides everyone that was, you know, had made videos. That was another thing we did that I thought about. Okay. Gotcha. That's super smart too. Just so they can really be speaking with knowledge and experience of how amazing this event is going to be. So when you sent out all of those graphics and things ahead of time, I know you had about a two week window where you know, now the page is live and people can sign up. This is one thing I always wonder about with affiliates is, okay, if I give them all the stuff ahead of time, did it feel confusing at all to try to tell them like, hey, here's all the stuff so you can plan this out, but don't start talking about it and linking to it until, you know, this particular day. Yeah, we tried to put like, you know, we can't, you can't start selling tickets until 9 a.m. on, gosh, I can't remember what the actual day the tickets went. Was that April 25th? 25th. So we gave everything to them on April 20th. Okay. Sorry. I was a little off. So we gave everything to them on April 20th and then they could start selling on April 25th. And we told them that any sales that came before that, they wouldn't get an affiliate commission on because we have seen in the past that, you know, somebody wants to jump the gun and get, you know, more affiliate sales. So they send out their email accidentally an hour early. Um, so we said any affiliates, you know, that go out early, are not going to earn commissions on. And I don't think we did. And I mean, we are friends with pretty much everybody that we worked with. Um, one of the other things we do is we had a sub, we had a speaker sub or a speaker Facebook group. So we could communicate with the speakers there. We could communicate with them through email. So we just tried to make it really clear, like promotion starts at 9am on 9am Eastern on April 25th that's your go time. And so that day, you know, we had a huge influx of of, um, ticket sales and free tickets. So how did you handle the fact that the two of you both, you know, have your own successful separate businesses, and then you're coming together for sublimation camp? Did you need to set up a separate email account or other separate accounts? How did you handle that piece of things? So on our end, we ended up using my ConvertKit account, but setting up an alias to be able to send from sublimationcamp.com. And we kept all of the people that came through the all access pass or free pass um, tagged separately as the rest of my email list. Um, Because one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to get like from there to have all of those people join our email list. But because of, you know, email law, I don't know how else to say that we couldn't, there was no way we could really have them join both of our email lists. Does that make sense? So we set up the separate email list and then through things like our giveaways, we tried to get as many of those people that were on the sublimation camp list onto our individual lists. So for example, we gave away 10 all access passes. So if you didn't have an all access pass, you got it added to your account. And if you had an all access pass, we refunded. And to sign up to get those all access pass passes, we had options to join either of our email lists or to not join at all. It was like, you know, we gave them the option to enter without joining just to get, a, you know, make sure that all of the lottery laws and things were followed. But that, you know, we're, we're working to get those people off that bigger list, Sublimation Camp list onto our own personal email list so that then we can, you know, sell our other products and things to them and communicate them and share tutorials and things. So what we're going to do here once, you know, we get everything wrapped up is we're going to export that Sublimation Camp list to it's just its own Word document or its own Excel spreadsheet until next year so that we're not paying for all of those extra email addresses that didn't make it onto our own lists. But then we can still promote Sublimation Camp part two, you know, next year. 
I think that's a great strategy. And I, I wouldn't have thought about that of, yes, here's a huge group of people, but they technically send up for sublimation camp. And so you're exactly right. If they're not opting into your list or Corey or Angie's list, then it's, yeah, you're, you're paying for a whole lot of extra email subscribers that are like, wait a minute, I'm not, why am I now getting emails from Corey every week? <laughs> for exactly. Yeah, that's smart. And so I'd love to talk now about your ad strategy for driving even more signups and sales to Sublimation Camp. So we actually decided to test a few audiences before Sublimation Camp even started, but we could not do that. So we promised the affiliates that we would not sell either until that 25th date. So we couldn't do that with Sublimation Camp. So I came up with like a small $5 bundle of sublimation related things and just started testing audiences I already had. My Instagram audience, a lookalike audience of like my Instagram video views. And then the star of the show would be the all cricket audience. So literally anyone that liked cricket. (laughs) That audience performed better in our testing. And when we went live, I had good luck out of every audience I tested, which made me that was the first indication, I think, that this could be this could go really well because every audience I tested bought this little five dollar bundle, and I was like doing well on every ad I ran, which has never happened before. <laughs> so I that was the first indication that I thought we could have something here was with the initial audience testing. So we didn't start our ads until the 26th. So we gave them basically 24 hours, get your links out there, grab those people. And then we started running ads on the 26th. And the first ads were just like, here, get your free ticket, right? And I'll let Corey have the idea of the ad creative that did the best. So I'll let her talk about that. I honestly can't remember. What was it, Angie? (laughs) It was the Pictures of both of us. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I can say that now. Yeah, so one of the ad creatives that did well, well, one of my own ad creatives that have done well for me in the past is to include, you know, a photo of myself on the ad, like looking very professional and crafty. So Angie and I decided to run ads with both of our faces on there because, you know, we have a big enough audience to like combined that I think in some circles, very small circles, like people recognize our faces, right? So there's a picture of me with like with my sublimation printer and a picture of Angie holding all of the sublimation supplies and with a big free ticket, you know, at the top. And that that converted really well. Awesome. And tell me more about how many different audiences did you have that worked well? How much did you spend on your ads? What were some of the results there? So we tried various audiences, right? And a lot of them would do well for a day or two and they would double our money for a day or two and then it would kind of just slowly go down. But the all cricket audience doubled our money at least every day. So it was hard to compete with that, right? So basically try an audience, try a different creative, try a different, um, you know, some different copy. And then we would just end up turning those off and running with the all cricket audience. So that was like really the moneymaker was the all cricket. So the same ad ran the same copy that we started with the entire time. So it it did well right out of the gate and never stopped. So we just kept increasing ad spend on that one. 
And then once we had enough people signed up, we did try lookalike audiences for the people that already signed up. So we have all these email addresses and we would plug those in. Those did okay, but again, eventually just kind of died off. So maybe there wasn't enough. They would die off eventually. The only thing that did well at the end, the last maybe three days, we took everyone that had a free ticket that didn't have an all-access pass yet, and we served them up an ad with the date that the all-access pass was going up in price. Hmm. And that converted... We probably made four times our money on that one. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> this is definitely the very best ad we ran. But of course, there wasn't, I mean, it was quite a bit because we have 44,000 people. It was a small pool of people to serve it up to, but it still, you know, made tons of money. So overall, the entire thing, everything, we spent a little over 12000 on ads and we made over $27,000 in sales just from the ads. So over doubled. Okay. Awesome. That's amazing. I think too, it's fun to see how you can run with that momentum when, you know, you only had this, you know, several weeks time period to really market this thing, but that's just exciting to me that you were able to just scale up, scale up and keep it going and still spend 12,000 on your ads, even in that limited amount of time. So that's exciting. So I know you mentioned that, you know, you had your one cricket audience that was by far your best, you know, cold audience performer. How did you approach scaling that? I mean, was it just as simple as increasing the budget within that one ad set or were there other things that you were doing there? So basically I would check it every day, talk to Corey, and for several days we just doubled it. And then it was a little scary at one point because we were so high in the ad spend that it was like, do we double it again? Because that's a lot of money to spend in one day. (laughs) So we diversified a little bit and just tried to put it on different audiences. But like I said, it never, those other audiences would never work. So most of the money got dumped into that. All just the ad. So I think, at a point, it had so much social proof that nothing else could compete with it because there were so many comments on it. Like it was so many comments, like, thank you for this. And they were almost 100% positive. I rarely got a comment that was not positive. And then I tried to answer all of those. So at some point during the entire process, I almost felt like that one had so much social proof that I couldn't put anything out there to compete with it in the time we had because it started on this date. I only had two weeks. So at some point it was just like, we're just going to dump all our money into this one. Yeah. Hey, that makes sense. Just keep pouring it into what's working. Okay. So something I thought was really interesting was I actually went to sign up for a sublimation camp myself because you know, I love to see what my students are doing and, and see the process of it all. And I knew you all were doing so well with it. And when I signed up for the free pass, where I saw the pitch for the all access pass was as an order bump on the checkout page. Was that the main way that you were selling the all access passes? So that bump converted so well for being just a small little thing. Like it converted really well. 
but we also had an all access pass sales page. The way that Thrivecart was set up, we couldn't figure out how to make it. I mean, maybe there's a way. We couldn't figure out how to make it um, bump to that all access page as like a, you know, a, I don't know what the right word is, as a trip up or whatever it is, because we needed them to log into Teachable. So the thank you page, instead of becoming like a new page, had to be the log into Teachable page. It just is an automatic in Thrivecart. So we couldn't do, I think a lot of people do the like, hey, you got your free ticket, but now you can get your all access pass, you know, with all the details. So instead we just used that little order bump, which converted way better than I think an order bump should convert. It converted so well. And we had like a little timer in there saying that the early bird pass was going away. And so those people got funneled then into the all access pass email series. And then anybody who didn't got funneled into a free pass holder series where we would then try to upsell them on the all access pass. So it was like, Hey, you know, here's all this information about sublimation, sublimation camp. You know, most of it was try. We were trying to be educational. Here's where you sign in to teachable. Here's where you can get the supply lists. Um, we beforehand, like when everybody could access Teachable, even though you couldn't access the videos or the files to download, we had all of these teachers' bios and we had them all linked to a more information page on their blog where they could host their own affiliate links and other information so that people could see like, this is what this class is going to be about. It's not up yet because I have a free pass. But so we did that. And so we were trying to get more people to log into Teachable too. Once we realized we were having problems, we're like, get as many people logged in as we can so that we can try and take care of all of these issues we were having. But yeah, so we sold them through the All Access Pass. And then all of our affiliates could sell either, you know, they could try and give away the free ticket or they could go straight to the All Access Pass. So they've had a link through Thrivecart to just say, hey, time's running out, get your All Access Pass. And that, that converted really well as well. Okay, gotcha. And I know you mentioned you had a certain deadline where then the price of that all access pass went up. Can you tell me a little more of those details? Sure. That was our best sales day ever, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our best sales day ever was actually, I can look. Our best sales day ever was the, let's see. Yep, it was the, the last day before camp started. So the 11th was. May 11th was the best day we did overall. Okay, gotcha. Because, and that was the same day where they knew, hey, tomorrow morning when camp starts, the price of this all access pass is going to go up. Yeah, so it went up at midnight Eastern time. And we were lucky that I live on the West Coast. So midnight Eastern time was just 9 p.m. for me. So, you know, Angie and everybody else were in bed and <laughs> frantically updating the, the, the pass. So it was $49 as the early bird price. And then we had a three-day open doors price, which was $69. So it did, it did go up significantly. It went up 20 bucks on May 11th at midnight. So that I think that's one of the reasons why you know it was a, a decent price bump. And then it went up to $79 at the end of the three days. And then a week after that, it went up to 99 And we'll sell it for 99 for a year. Anybody can still sign up for it. But that way, you know, we can still make money on it. The affiliates can still use their links through Thrivecart. And we'll probably sell it probably up until like spring next year, because if we plan to do this again, we'll, we'll stop selling that one and get ready for the next one. Got it. I love that too, that you can still keep selling this, the, the past. I mean, because all the value of learning about sublimation is still there. So I love that you're doing it that way. I think too, it's just neat to see that just having an order bump with a timer on that checkout page could convert so well, because I think it's, it's really easy for us to 
think that if we can't get something perfectly mapped out or presented exactly how we want it to, it's like, I know my tendency is like, well, then I'm just not going to try, which I mean, in your all's case, if that you would have lost out on so many all access pass sales if you had that mentality, but instead you're like, no, let's, here's what we can do right away on, you know, with checkout. And then you still have the secondary option. I just, I think that's fabulous. So even, even if a business owner is out there listening and you're overwhelmed at the thought of building a full all access pass sales page, guess what? You still <laughs> can sell that all access pass just from the order bump. So I think that's really exciting. I'm curious if you know what percentage of all access pass sales came just from the order bump versus wh- what percentage came from, you know, later with the full pass sales page. Um, it looks like 40% of our all access pass tickets came from that order bump. And that order bump was so small. You saw it, right? It was just like, or get the all access pass, $300 worth of bonuses runs out this time. I mean, it literally was the smallest thing. It didn't tell you what you got. It didn't tell you almost anything other than, you know, you can get the whole camp for a year by clicking this, this little order bump. And yeah, it converted. I mean, 40% of our sales came from just that tiny order bump. Yeah, that is, that's crazy. I do think part of that success there is because you did do a fabulous job on the free signup page of outlining every single speaker and what their video was going to be about. So you knew on your free page, like, oh, great. This is, these are all the things I get to learn about. So then at least when you're seeing that all access pass order bump, you're like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to lose these after one day. There's no way I can watch all of these in one day. And I'm really interested in, you know, this, this, and this. So boom, they just add that on to buy it. Now, do you know, I'm more just curious about this one, what your, freebie. I mean, it feels weird to call it a freebie. What your free sublimation camp sign up page, like what the conversion rate on that was versus like people who saw it. And then obviously I know you had the over 44,000 people to sign up. I'm more just curious because, you know, a question I get asked a lot is, okay, if I, if someone's hosting a webinar, they're like, what should my webinar sign up page conversion rate be? And it's, it's all, it, it's almost always going to be lower than what it is for like a simple freebie that just gets delivered to people right away. So I was just curious to get that baseline on something like this. That's a big, you know, summit that people are signing up for. Okay. It looks like we had 96,570 people view the free ticket. Okay. And then we had checkout views of 82,319, but those checkout views only converted 44,000, only 44,767 tickets. So I don't know if people got, maybe people got to that page and saw the order bump and got scared and were like, wait, I don't want to pay $49 for this. Like, you know, maybe it did scare some people away. I'm not sure if, but the value might've been there. Interesting. Yeah. Cause that's true. A lot of people did made their way a super high percentage made their way over to checkout, you know, like more than 75%. So it looks like as far as the free signups went, it's about a 46% conversion rate from like, they saw the free sublimation camp info page, which again was very detailed, lots of information there. And then 46% of those people opted in and said, yes, I want to sign up for this free event. So, I mean, I, I think that's, a great 
conversion rate, especially again, for something where it's like, it's limited time. It's, it's on this certain, in this certain three-day window and you have to communicate a lot of information on that page too. So even just getting people to (laughs) sit and read through it and then decide like, yes, I want in. I feel like one of the big things that worked really well for us was having a camper specific Facebook group. So we called all of our attendees campers and all of the teachers counselors. And we really leaned into the like camp theme. I designed seven or nine badges. (laughs) There's like literally just PNG files that people could earn for different things. You know, I set up my printer, I got a badge, I watched all the classes, I got a badge and we weren't handing out the badges. We just put them in a guide in the Facebook group. I mean, we also put them in Teachable so other people could grab them there as well. I mean, you know, but the number of people who used those badges, like I was just shocked at how excited people were to earn their badges, which are literally just, you know, digital images. Um, You know, we had people printing them out and like sublimating them on felt and making their own little badges. Anyway, they were, it was such like a quick idea that turned out to be so great because people were constantly pulling, you know, I set up my printer and then they'd like share the badge. So that worked out really well. And then Angie each evening for the three days, the camp was running did a campfire post with some questions where we all sat around the campfire and talked about what happened. And, and those posts got, I mean, we got so much good feedback on those posts. It was ridiculous. Like I need to read, you know, I'm working on making the sales page evergreen for the next year. And I'm going to go through all of those posts and just pull, you know, a bunch of those testimonials for just what a great time people had. Oh, I yeah. Love and I feel like, so leaning into the camp branding was something we learned that was magic. It was gold. (laughs) And then the second thing was having that Facebook group, they sold all access passes during the camp. Like they were like, this camp is amazing. And some people hadn't had a chance to watch like, oh, I forgot to watch day one. And so they would just go purchase the pass. So it was like a sales page that we didn't do anything to. Yeah, other campers (laughs) would share the all access pass link. And we were like, thank you so much. But I mean, we had such good feedback in that group. And I think it just gave more social proof to people who were kind of on the fence. You know, what should I upgrade or not? People are like, this thing is worth, you know, way more money than it is, you know, than it costs. So that was, that was so great. That is, that's yeah. Because I was actually going to ask that next of like, Oh, did you have to, you know, do these little reminders of like, Hey, just so you know, I'll access pass. But it sounds like, yeah. I mean, because everyone was enjoying it so much, they were all just helping each other out and being like, you've got to go grab this pass. You're going to want this. I love that. Well, this was amazing. I just loved hearing from both of you on this huge event. And it sounds like hopefully it's something you all will do together in future years. And hopefully it will just keep getting bigger and better. I mean, it's already huge. It was where can we go from here? (laughs) A huge first year. That's just so exciting. I guess, do you have any, any major thoughts or like big pieces of advice for someone who's thinking about hosting a similar type of event for their niche? I would say what I've been saying is it's like um, birthing a 15 pound baby. It is very difficult, but so worth it in the end. So, I mean, if you are willing to go through (laughs) the pain of the first portion, because it is like, it's a lot of work a lot of like thinking through things, a lot of, I mean, you have 44,000 people, you have that 500 to a thousand that are going to be a pain. (laughs) So you, you have to like be prepared 
that there is a small percentage of the people that just, just are going to be a pain, not going to get it. And you're going to have to like handhold them, hire good help and, you know, be prepared for the struggle that gets you to the benefit, I think. Yeah, I would agree. We actually had a five person team. So it was Angie and I running it. And then I have one employee um, and she kicked in, you know, basically using most of her time to work on that. And then we had the gal helping us with all of our help desk information. We actually set up like a, an email help desk. So all of our help at sublimation camp emails were funneled through that help desk and where she could, you know, keep a better eye on things. Um, And then we, we actually, Angie and I have another just Facebook sublimation group and there was a very helpful guy in there. (laughs) So we were like, Hey, can you come be helpful in our, in our class group? And so he, uh, he was extremely helpful because he was also very tech minded. So he helped us get over some of those tech hurdles. So it really was the team of five that helped us. And then I have one other thing that we didn't even touch on that I think we should touch on. And that's that we also had sponsors. So we had five companies that we, five sublimation companies that we worked with. And they were, they also did a class. Four out of the five also did, taught a class featuring their own products. So we had, you know, people who did blanks, people who had files, people who made ink, you know, all of the different pieces of sublimation, also leading classes and also in the Facebook group. And they offered special coupons for our attendees. And that, that was really great too. They, you know, and I think it was very successful on there. And we got some really, really great feedback from the sponsors. I think Angie can speak to that a little bit more too. Yeah. So I actually, we were in the middle of sublimation camp and the first couple of days are like the hardest. Right. And I got an email from one of the sponsors that made me cry. That's how good it was. (laughs) Like just, it was like their best sales day ever. They're a small company. So the amazing feedback from that was like, 100% 100% worth all the effort that I was going through. I was like, okay, I'm done. I, this is great. I'm, I'm ready to do this again. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, 100%. The sponsors were amazing. And so this year, of course, like we didn't know how well this was going to do. We didn't charge them anything. We asked them for a video and special coupon codes for both free members and like increased amount for all access and then just giveaway prizes. So like that was kind of their fee to join us. And so I don't know what we'll do about that in the future, but like we just reached out to them and they were, you know, gracious enough to take a chance on us at that point because we were taking a chance with this whole thing. And so I'm thrilled that it worked out for them because they're all great companies. I love that. It's, I mean, this whole thing was just a whole whole lot of teamwork and people coming together. And it sounds like it, yeah, was just a great experience for everyone. You mentioned there being, you know, there's always a small percentage of people who's a little bit difficult. How did you handle, you know, potentially any negative comments or things happening inside that Facebook group? Because you had so many people in there, just like you're saying, there's bound to be a few stinkers, if you will. (laughs) So how did you handle that? So we tried to answer every single one of them the same way, which was email help at sublimationcamp.com. Because without them going through the help desk, it's really hard to help someone in a Facebook group. (laughs) There's just so much going on. You miss the tags. Like, and there was, you know, hundreds of threads started like an hour at one point. Like the, the Facebook group was insane. So answering them all the same way, I think was key. Like email us and let us help you. And then being as responsive as we could on the help desk. And and that meant at one point, like we hired someone to run the help desk, but when the influx got heavy, 
that meant three out of our five person team being on the help desk at a time at certain points when the, you know, the problems just got, you know, the questions and problems just started rolling in and they would not all of the help desk was a problem. It was, there might've been questions like, how do I find a link for this? Or how do I do this? Or I'm confused about how to enter the giveaways. And the best thing we did to control most of those problems is we would just make a guide in the Facebook group of how to do certain things. And we would also put that in teachable. So log into sublimation camp and there would be a big thing that says how to enter the giveaways. <laughs> yeah. So they could, we'll be able to click there, get the instructions they needed and anything we could do to like, if you see the question a couple of times, Facebook group or help desk, just put something out there to, because more than those people have that question and it'll help control like the inflow into the help desk and like man it, it managed it a little bit better. Great advice. Now, did you have anyone that was, I don't know, maybe like so difficult or so negative that you had to like boot them from the Facebook group or no? I don't Do you want to we, cover that one? I don't think we booted anyone. <laughs> we got pretty we close. We didn't boot her. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if we even actually gave a refund to any, any uh, cranky customers. I think we managed to solve everybody's problem. I think had Angie and I just been running it, we might have. So I think that I had told our help desk gal that I was really glad to have her on our team because she got, I mean, we were so tired too, right? I mean, it's just like in those days where we were exhausted and I was like, I'm going to launch this person into the sun. Like that, that was my solution, right? <laughs> like that was, you can, you can take your $49 back and buy a bus ticket into the sun. That was my my, my solution. And, and I think it was probably Angie's solution as well, but Susan was like, you know, helped reel us back in to like, I think I can solve this, you know, through more diplomatic means than, you know, violence. So I was like, <laughs> so I was really glad that I was really glad that we had that kind of five person team. We all had a Slack channel where we were together, where the five of us could, you know, work together to solve problems really quickly. The Slack worked really well for us as a team. So yeah, I'm really glad that we were able to basically, for the most part, I mean, I think everybody walked away happy. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like hire someone patient for the help desk. And the only like real problem we ever had was when people degraded or spoke badly to the people that were helping us to put on the camp. And at that point, that was the point where we were like, no. So we would step in and not allow that type of, you know, negativity or anything like that in the group or the help desk, either one. Yeah. We had sent several emails of like, you know, we're happy to give you your money back, you know, for this, this thing, but we will not tolerate you speaking to our team like this, because that was just really important to the two of us. Like, you know, these are people that we really care about and, you know, just be nice, like be a nicer person. (laughs) Right. I think that's wonderful. I think that is just an important thing to do because you two are, you know, you're leading this event. You're both the leaders of your own businesses too. Right. And so you get to choose how to set that tone and yeah. and, And not allow people to mistreat, you know, your staff. I I think those boundaries are important. And I always tell people like, you can be firm, but kind, like, it's not like we have to, you know, stoop to anything that like of, of how they're behaving, but in a firm, but kind way, you can set those boundaries. So like, no, that's not, we're, we're not going to allow this. <laughs> 
So as we wrap up today, I would love to hear from each of you if you have either a funny or adorable mom or, Angie, in your case, a fun grandma moment that you'd like to share. Yes, I do have grandkids. That might not look like it, but I am a grandma. So my short, funny moment is my one of my grandsons is three, and he said, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so I get out everything, and he was like, I don't want that. And he's pointing at the peanut butter. And I said, what do you want? What do you mean? He said, I like peanut butter and jelly without that. He wants jelly on bread. Like (laughs) that's not peanut butter and jelly, but okay. (laughs) That is funny. Peanut butter and jelly. Hold the peanut butter, please. (laughs) So Corey, I'd love to hear from you. I know you have kids on the younger side. How did your family cope with this crazy event of the sublimation camp because I know it was, you know, just so much work and time for, for both of you. Yeah. It helps that, that my blog in this business sublimation camp is our primary income. (laughs) So my husband is a stay at home dad. He homeschools our boys and they also go to like a cool outdoor school where they just play in the mud, you know, (laughs) twice a week, which is great. But they, you know, it was, it was difficult because I don't, I try really hard to keep boundaries on my hours that I work. I try and work like sort of a normal work week. And then in the evenings and weekends, I try not to work. Um, But obviously I was working a lot more, but I just tried to be very present with my boys when we were, you know, I have uh, six-year-old twins. They're going to be seven this week. And so I would just tell them like, you know, I will, I have time for you. (laughs) Like once we get through this, we will, we'll do some mom and, you know, kid things. And so yesterday we actually spent all, almost all day at the tide pools. We had like a record low tide here. So we just spent the whole day poking around at their little outdoor school, you know, looking at starfish and sea cucumbers and things. So I think just giving myself permission not to feel guilty about it because it is my job and I do my best already to set hours and I keep to those hours fairly fairly regularly. And then to just be like, this is a different time and, you know, it's not forever. And, and that's happened in other times, you know, where I've just had like a, an event or a book or something I was working on and, you know, you just work a little bit more, but then I try to make special time for you know us to just be a family after that. That's right. I, I love that. I mean, we have those seasons, right? (laughs) Where something comes up and work gets busy, but yeah, you know, and they know that there's going to be time set aside after the craziness ends. And sometimes I feel like that's such a sweet, like reward in a way where it's like, Oh, now I can take a breath and we're all just enjoying each other. And, you know, I think our, these businesses that we run feel like such a family thing, right? Because our kids see us working on them or our grandkids (laughs) see us working on them and our spouses and significant others are helping, you know, pick up the slack in different ways. So it is such a team effort sometimes. For sure. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to come chat with me today. I have learned a ton about how to host a summit, run one, market one. I just, I'm so impressed with what you both have done. If you could just remind everyone one more time, where is the best place for them to find you online? Okay. So the best place to find me online is probably either Instagram at Hey, Let's Make Stuff or on YouTube at Hey, Let's Make Stuff. I don't have nearly the YouTube collection that Angie has, but that's on my current growing list. So. Yep. And for me, literally any platform you search Angie Holden and I'll come up if you are confused about the country sheet cottage. I promise I'll work on that. 
<laughs> okay, great. Thank you both so much. Okay, was that not a jam-packed episode? I learned so much on hosting a summit or, I mean, truly I learned tips for hosting any sort of a live online event that I'm really excited to take with me. And I hope you are too. And, you know, we also saw the power of working together, partnering with other business owners and how amazing that can be for everyone involved. One thing you should know is that both Corey and Angie are past students of my ads intensive program. So they were able to then leverage the power of fabulous ads to get even more sublimation camp signups and all access pass sales. So if you are interested in learning more about the ads intensive or enrolling in my step-by-step detailed program to help you be successful with your Facebook and Instagram ads, you can head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash ads. That's brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash A-D-S. And you can find out all about the ads intensive. I'm hosting a self-study version this year for 2022. And if you're listening to this in May or June, of 2022, you should save the date on June 20th. The doors will open for the ads intensive. I would love to see you inside because ads are still alive and well and um, doing great for many of my students. And hopefully you were inspired by hearing how Angie and Corey were able to use ads to just, you know, scale up their live event even more. So brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash ads. I cannot wait to see you inside. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant. Brilliant.